Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Okay, well, Matt Baker, our college football writer, of course, has uh, had plenty of exchanges with Florida coach Dan Mullen and was at the world's largest cocktail party. The Gators getting just absolutely crushed, I guess is a word, by University of Georgia, number one team in the country. We'll get to that and the college first college football poll as well. But first, Matt, let's go to the game uh, on Saturday. Not surprised that Georgia won. Was surprised that they won as easily as they did. Not a good showing by Florida. No, it, it was a it was not a good showing at all. Um, look, Georgia's great. Like you know, I, I I thought at the start of the season, you know, I had him number one in my ballot for the for the AP, and I and also I picked him to win the SEC. Right now, as we sit here, I feel pretty strongly that they're the best team in the country. Not breaking any news, and I feel pretty good about their national championship hopes. Um, so Georgia's great. Start with that. Florida did not play well. Um, Florida let things snowball. And you can look at it a couple different ways. You can look at, you know, they played well or, you know, they were down three through um, 28 minutes, 28 and a half minutes or 27 and a half minutes. And then things got really bad, really fast. And you can kind of take that glass half full approach, which is how Mullen uh, approached the, to some degree, approached the, the Bama loss and the Kentucky loss and the, the LSU loss. Or you can look at the other side, which is the way that I looked at. It, and I think it's the more accurate way to look at it is to look at the dudes on the other side who were making those plays. You know, you, you look at the the first, the first fumble that Anthony Richardson had. He's, he's fighting for yards, and then Nolan Smith, former number one overall recruit, comes and rips the ball out and, and recovers the fumble. And then you look at the, the one interception where a five-star linebacker comes blitzing, which causes Anthony Richardson to force a throw that a five-star defensive end tips to the aforementioned number one overall recruit. Then you look at what happened on the pick six, where, again, that five-star linebacker who's a future first-round pick, an inside linebacker matched up out wide against a running back is a great matchup for the Gators. That is a matchup that they should exploit, that they would like time and time again. But when that inside linebacker is a five-star who's going to be a first-round pick, it doesn't work out so well. So I say all that to say what I saw watching that game was a team that had an insane amount of talent, had recruited at an insane level the last few years, built it all together, developed it well, and looks and plays like the number one team in the country. And I saw a team on the other side in the Gators that did not have those type of dudes. And I I think I've said it before on this this show, the team with the most dudes usually wins. Uh, Have I said that before? Yes, you have. And, and and that is what happened. We're, and that's that's the biggest explanation for what happened on Saturday and, and why Mullen is in this situation that he's in. Where I, I mean, again, we've talked about it before, but he's 1-3 against Georgia. He's 0-2 against Bama. Those are the top, you know, two of the top three recruiting teams in the country just about every year. There's a reason for that. Um, then you look, kind of go down, LSU and Texas A&M are probably the other top two of recruiting teams and coaches in the SEC right now, he's one and three against LSU. He's zero and one against Jimbo and the Aggies. That's not a coincidence. 
so it, it you know to me Mullen was an attractive candidate for the Gators because he won most of the games that he was supposed to win. When he won, you know, when he had equal or better talent at Mississippi State, he won those games. Then he he would punch above his weight and beat you know beat Auburn sometimes and LSU or whoever. And he he was able to get Mississippi State to number one in the country in 2014, which was no small accomplishment. The problem is that he hasn't been able to elevate the recruiting to you know get more of the five stars that it takes to consistently beat or hang with Georgia, to consistently beat or hang with Alabama or you know nationally Ohio State and Oklahoma and those guys. And I don't know what we've seen so far that can make you think he that is going to change. And that's you know it, what what happened Saturday was bad. What's happened over the course of this season that, that's, that's four and four is, is bad. But I think if we're looking at the big picture of why Florida is a mess right now, and I, I don't know another way to say it other than it's a mess, it, it all kind of comes back to recruiting. And Dan hasn't recruited at a high enough level to consistently beat the big boys. And that's where why they are where they are and where why he is where he is. Well, it's it's very interesting. Of course, you know Georgia does this uh, without their starting quarterback JT Daniels. Stetson Bennett uh, stepped in and was able to to uh, to do the job. Meanwhile, Anthony Richardson and Emory Jones sort of took turns. Um, I don't know if you were surprised about you know who he started, uh, you know, how those guys played, et cetera. But but it does. Let's forget about the quarterbacks for a minute because I thought it was interesting that. This week, Dan Mullen didn't want to talk about recruiting. Now, he has since said, I didn't say I'm not recruiting. I said this time of year, I'm saying we're not talking about it in the media, I guess, is what he meant. Um, but he's clearly sensitive to the issue. You you documented uh, this week in the Tampa Bay Times and on TampaBay.com, Dan Mullen was all too happy to talk about recruiting this time a year ago. Um, and, and he seemed to have an answer for how close they were with Georgia. Yeah, so well, let's talk about the talent gap here because I asked him that after the game Saturday, and I don't, I don't think he particularly liked the question. But two years ago, they lost by a touchdown to Georgia, and he was asked, "How close are you guys?" And he said, seven points." And then somebody followed up and he said, "We're seven points away." And yes, that was technically correct. Um, but you know, I watched that game. I was there. I did not think that it did not feel like a seven-point game. Um, and I think that's to his credit that he's able to scheme and game plan to overcome the talent gaps. I mean, that's why he was able to play Bama better than anybody last year and why he was able to play Bama tight this year. Um, but you can't do that forever. You can't win a national championship these days on scheme alone. You can't. And, and I mean, you, you just can't. You you need a lot of talent. You know, uh, Bud Elliott's a, a Florida guy, um, writes, uh, works at 247 Sports now. He's got a thing that I think I've talked about on the show before called the blue chip ratio, where if you look in the modern recruiting era, every national champion has at least half of its roster made up of four and five star guys. Um, you know, it, having more guys helps the, the best. The team with the most talent and most five stars does not always win. But you need to be at that level to really have a chance. And then you look at the teams that are winning. Most of them are, are exceeding that level. All of them have reached that that blue chip ratio. But most of them are, are, are exceeding that. And and Mullins, you know, I think his team has that minimum threshold, but there's a reason they keep losing to, to the more talented teams. And, you know, if they were to even make a playoff one year, you'd have to then they'd have to beat a Georgia and then an Alabama again. And it's it's hard to do if you don't have the guys. And, and, and look, Mullins not a stupid man. He understands this. And I think that's why he doesn't want to talk about recruiting right now. 
Um, there because the he doesn't. I don't think he likes the questions, but I also don't think he likes the answers, Rick. Um, mm. Because they haven't gotten it done. You know, <clears throat> I think when 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 he went from Mississippi State to Florida, there was an expectation. I think among uh, among Florida fans, certainly, he was able to recruit at a decent enough level at Mississippi State. Now you get him into one of the three best recruiting states in the country at a top 10 job, whatever you want to call it. That should be a boost to where Florida is recruiting at a high enough level. And it hasn't happened. And there are no good answers why. You know, there, there's, not a, a, there's not a good excuse you can make because it's, it's been, this is his fourth season. He's had enough time to recruit at a high enough level. It's not like in year one where you're scrambling to put together your staff. No. That's not the case anymore. It's not a case like uh, you know you could argue, you could argue if you wanted to with Jeff Scott and Mike Norvell. They were thrown so far behind because of COVID that they didn't get a chance to build all the relationships that they would have. No, no, you can't argue that with Mullen. That doesn't apply. So the only answers to why they're not recruiting at a high enough level, and I think if you gave Mullen truth serum, he would admit that. It all comes back to him and his staff. Um, is he? You know, it's fair to question how involved he is in recruiting. I'm not saying he's like ignoring it. No, I'm not. I'm not saying that at all. But you look at Georgia and Alabama. Kirby Smart and Nick Saban are probably the two most active head coaches in recruiting. And I remember I was in Atlanta for the SC, for the uh, national title game with Georgia and Bama. I talked to um, Sam Pittman, who was an O line coach at Georgia, and now he's the head coach at Arkansas, and asked him what makes Kirby so good. And he's and he was talking about recruiting that he is so hands-on in it. He's not asking you who you're texting. He's asking you all the details about who you're texting and why and how it's going. But he does that because he knows he has to get those players. Because if he doesn't have the dudes, he's not going to beat Florida and Auburn and Alabama. And it's fair to wonder, to, is, is Mullen involved enough? Because the, the reputation in the industry is that he is not. And then it's also fair to wonder the makeup of the staff because they consist, you know, they've had two top 10 classes uh, in his cycles at Florida so far, but they haven't broken through and gotten a five star or, you know, the, 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 the top five class, excuse me. And they haven't gotten enough five stars. And at some point you have to figure out why, and that's going to be lead to, you know, assuming Dan is still the head coach at the end of this season and, and in December. And, and as we sit here today, I expect him to be, but so assuming that happens, he's going to have some very hard questions to answer about, is he doing enough in recruiting and what can be done better in terms of the approach, the budget, um, the staff, his involvement, all of it. And there are no good answers, which is why I don't think he likes the questions. Yeah, he certainly doesn't have the answers. I mean, he says that he works at it. He says that he is on the phone all the time uh, whenever he has isn't practicing, <clears throat> talking to recruits, doing what – most head coaches have done. I've seen Jim Harbaugh do this on, you know, ignore his family in Hawaii uh, on the beach so he could talk to recruits. So it is sort of a full-time job. You know where I didn't see him? And, and maybe this is an unfair criticism. I don't know because I think I think they had an off week. I'm not – I could be wrong about this. But Kirby Smart was on the sidelines when Berkeley Prep went up to play Arch Manning in Louisiana uh, and in New Orleans. I didn't see Dan Mullen. I, I saw I saw other coaches. There, sorry, let, let, let me let me jump in. There's a reason for that. Um, Mullen is not allowed to be out on the road recruiting right now. Um, because oh, because of, of his the, sanctions, the, right? Yeah, the NCAA. The, correct the sanctions that he got in um, <clears throat> December, I think, is was when it was announced. Part of the sanctions, um, he's got a one year show cause, which 
I don't think really applies to, to what we're talking about. But yeah. um, he could not be on the road recruiting during the fall 2020 evaluation period. Excuse me, there was no fall 2020 evaluation period because of COVID. Mm-hmm. So he's serving mm-hmm. that penalty this year, is my understanding. Mm-hmm. And also, I think there's four days in the November, December um, contact period. I'm trying to make sure I've got my, my phrases right. So right. He, there's four days he can't be on the road um, at the end of uh, this month and, and early December leading up to the, the signing day. So there's a legitimate reason for that. Now, of course, but that, why? Because he da- broke rules. You know, that's but, damaging. Um, yeah. Yeah, it, it's, it's something that's not helping for sure. I, I, it's, it's not helping right. because having seen Kirby Smart on ESPNU or whatever, watching Arch Manning is good mm-hmm. for the Georgia. It's good for, for that, that recruiting process. Probably was good for the, the you know, look, Berkeley's got a bunch of dudes too, right? Oh, um, yeah, and, they do for a whole bunch, yeah. Yeah, they were very impressive. So it, it definitely hurts. But when you look at the totality of Mullen's recruiting, that's just one little problem amongst uh amongst overall issues that the the issue would have been there even if he had done the road let's put it that way well i i understand that and i and i will just say this they had berkeley prep had one player a tight end cj hawkins who had committed to florida verbally now going to stanford two stanford coaches were on the sideline they promised him a chance to play basketball which is something that attracted him out west but that's that's one guy uh, that won't be going to Florida or so it seems even after having committed there. So in uh, addition to the two much. other top 100 national recruits, Florida's lost in the last two and a half weeks. Mm. Oh, <clears throat> that, that's, that's the other part of this, Rick. Is it's, it's easy to, to poke holes. And, and I, I, I did admittedly in the roster that we saw on Saturday and that we'll see this Saturday against South Carolina. Um, it's, it's, it's it's an eight and four roster is, is what it looks like right now. And some of that's you're going to have ebbs and flows uh, in the course of uh, uh, the arc of a program. You know, you lose Pitts and Tony and Trask. No, you're probably not going to be as good. That That's the way it is at almost every single program. Right. Um, but the other part of this equation and the one I think is troubling for a lot of fans and, and, and important people in and around Gainesville is that you can't look and say, oh, well, things are getting better. You, you, you can't. I mean, the, the recruiting class, last I saw, I believe, is uh, 23rd or 22nd in the country. Uh, for the, I'm sorry, I'm talking about the 2022 recruiting class. Um, pulling it up now. Yeah, 22nd in the country. Um, like ninth in the SEC or 11th if you include Texas and Oklahoma. Now, there's a lot of time between now and December and February. Things are going to change. They only have 13 commits. They're going to sign more than 13 guys. Or if they only assign 13, it's because they're bringing in people to the transfer portal. Like, that this is not a finished product. I understand that. But it's not in a good situation either. Um, especially when you look at the landscape everywhere else. Florida State and Miami are both struggling. So this should be a time where their Gators should be cleaning up in this state. And they're yes. not. Yes, yes. And that's concerning. So... You know, as as I look at this, there, there's not a clear. What, what's the old the old saying when when, when things are upset? Uh, you know, when you when you have the wins, you pound the wins, right? That's what you you talk about. Mm-hmm. When, when you pound the recruits, or when you have great recruits, you pound the recruits. When you don't have either, you pound the table. And I think <laughs> there's some of, of of that going on right now, and it's it's a mess. I, I've spent all week trying to figure out what's going on and where this is going, and. 
I don't know how it gets better, Rick. I don't know. I don't well, know. Gonna... I, I've tried to figure out what is the the best case scenario here where people leave this season feeling optimistic. And I don't, I, I'm sure there is one, but it's really hard to see. Yeah, they'll have to get on a roll. They'll have to win as many games as they can. And then I think you're going to see changes in the staff and the emphasis needs to be on guys that can recruit um, because he needs help in that area. And, you know, we'll see if that if that makes a difference, if they have relationships or, or whatnot. I don't, I don't know what he can do. Uh, short of winning, winning always helps. Florida State winning, uh, winning, go ahead. winning helps, but look at the schedule too, right? So Saturday they're at South Carolina. South Carolina's got a new coach. They stink. So even if he wins by, even if the Gators win by twenty, right? Like, yeah. great, you beat a bad South Carolina team by twenty. What mm-hmm. do you do? Uh, then they got Samford. Samford, no, we're not even going to talk about that. Then they're at Mizzou. Mizzou's not very good either. Right, like Mizzou's recruiting at a decent level. They picked up a five star from uh, East Saint, East St. Louis, I believe, the other day. But like Mizzou's not great. So even if they beat Mizzou by twenty, great, you, you beat a Mizzou team that lost to Boston College. Congratulations. Right. And then right. Florida State at the end of the year, where you know this is one of the worst Florida State teams in the last forty years. FSU's getting better, and maybe we'll look at that game at the end of the year as you know what FSU is coming along pretty strong, and, and the Gators win. That's that's a positive. Um, of course, the flip side is FSU is getting better. And if, look, Florida's not in a good place. They're not. Um, I don't care personally that they shut down media access. Like, my, my feelings aren't hurt. I'm not crying into the pillow. I'm not, you know, none of that. It's their program, their prerogative. My point is you don't do that when things are going well. Mm. You know, it, Mullen said, uh, as we, you know, during his SEC call on, on Wednesday, that he wanted the players to focus on all that stuff. Okay, well, if that's the case, then no players would ever talk because they would only be focusing on the game, right? It's like when Florida State, when, when Jameis was having some of the issues in 2014, and that was hanging over um, that season. They didn't. He, Jameis didn't talk to reporters, and Florida State said something about how it, they wanted to focus on ac- on academics. Well, okay, what about all the other players, right? Like, no, don't. I'm not stupid. Don't lie to me. Um, so. I see the not talk, not having players talk as a symptom of the problem as another sign that things are not going well, because a healthy program where things are going well, even if you're losing, that's not happening. So there, there's stuff going on and and you can, you can paint a scenario. Look between there's, there's a couple weeks still here, but if Florida does not show massive improvement on Saturday, particularly mentally because they've they've got issues i mean mullen was talking about the the mindset of the team on on saturday and again uh, on wednesday if they don't show a massive improvement and if florida state continues to get better as i expect them to you can talk yourself into an fsu upset at the end of the year i'm not saying i will i'm just i'm just putting that out in the ether right now and if that happens then our conversations about what mullen's future is will very much change 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Wow, really interesting. Great insight there, Matt, on the Gators. Let's let's move uh, just a little bit back in ahead uh, with Florida State. They did take Clemson to the wire. They didn't get the win. It would have been such a big win for Mike Norvell, but what did you make of the effort? FSU was in a, in a very interesting place. Um, just just because at the start of the year, look, I said 6-6 six and six in a bowl game would be a good goal, and that's mm-hmm. still on the table. Um, I also said that FSU should expect to be competitive in, in every game. And aside from Wake Forest, they've been competitive in every game. Um, so I view it as as progress at FSU. I really do. Um, again, the caveat, FSU is not good enough. They're, they're supposed to be better than this. But if we look realistically as where the program is right now, they are getting better. Um, Clemson does have, you know, Clemson's offense is not good, but their defense is elite. And FSU shown some some progress there. They've got a run game that's working. They've got a quarterback in Jordan Travis that I think played pretty well given the situation. Um, they were opportunistic with uh, Jermaine uh, Johnson getting the, the scoop and score fumble. And you know, yeah, they lost by ten, but that that was a you know ignore the last play there. It was it was it was a one score game where they had a chance to win it at the end. And if you would have told me in September, so okay, so FSU is going to go on the road. And they're going to have a chance to win in the final couple of minutes. I would have said, no way. So I think we have to look at it as the fact that they were in that situation as a sign that they are getting better. They are a better team now than they were. And, and things are moving in the right direction. It's not good enough. Um, and we'll see what happens Saturday against North Carolina State. But they've, they still have a chance at bowl eligibility here. Um, you know, NC State is, is good, but not great. And FSU, if they're keep playing better they've got a chance to beat them miami i still have no idea what to make of that of that stupid team i never do just copy paste <laughs> repeat um and then well Boston College, you were you were big you were big on Pitt. you were big on pittsburgh in miami well, why you gotta them. bring that up why you gotta bring that, that up rick well i can roll the tape you were big yeah. on pittsburgh i i i didn't disagree with you necessarily but i will say this a couple of weeks ago, we were all saying Manny Diaz, Manny Diaz, he's in trouble. He's in well, you know what? He he went out there and, and made some statements there. He did, and and give Manny credit for that. Um, he's a fighter. He is, um, and Manny gets it. He he really does. I go back to the um, immediate his his first game was against Florida in Orlando in 2019. Just a terrible, awful game to watch. I still have nightmares about how just how awful the football was. But Manny immediately got it. You know, he didn't talk about, you know, because Florida was a good team. Um, he didn't immediately start talking about how, uh, you know, we were so close. And uh, No, he was clearly upset that we expect to beat these guys at the University of Miami. You're not supposed to lose to the Gators. And so, so I'd say he gets it. He knows what the program is supposed to be, and he understands the expectations and all that. And, you know, they're... they're they're very close to being uh, a two-loss team right now. They're also close to being a, what would they be a six-loss team or whatever. So, they're I cannot figure them out 
but yes, I was incorrect about Pitt. That that is on me for believing in Pitt. That, you know, I'll get it coached up. Not going to happen again. My 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 bad, y'all. My bad. Well, you don't have to get coached up on this one. Um, we watched a big game last week, which I thought was very entertaining between Michigan and Michigan State. Uh, of course, it uh, turns out the Spartans have a pretty good running back uh, in Kenneth Walker, who might be a Heisman favorite at this point with his, what, might four be? or five touchdowns. Yeah, no, I would say he's got it locked up. But um, that said, could we be looking at a, uh, a newer and perhaps better job? How hot is Mel Tucker, say, at LSU? Very. Um, look, he's done a fantastic job. Michigan State, I don't know if it's fair to call them to say that they were broken at the end under, under D'Antonio, but if they weren't broken, they were pretty darn close. And then, to, again, to have the situation where he comes in with, with COVID and all that stuff and brings in all these transfers, it's such a risky thing to go heavy in the transfer portal. Um, you know, Manny Diaz did it in his first year at Miami just because excuse me, didn't really have a lot of a choice. Um, He got there so late, the early signing period had already passed. They needed players. And so he's like, we don't have a choice. We're going portal. Um, Mel Tucker has built, you know, I think they signed like 15 transfers in in the offseason or whatever. And it's a risky move because everybody is leaving for a reason. But he's found guys that have worked. And yeah, if I were doing my ballot right now, Kenneth Walker would probably be number one uh, on my Heisman. Um, mm-hmm. He is a fantastic player. And for Michigan State to identify that and uh, bring him in, it, kudos for them. Um, I don't know if Mel's going to be at Michigan State next year. I mean, realistically, he should be on the short list of, of LSU candidates. Um, yeah. If in some hypothetical world Dan Mullen were to leave, I would think he'd be on the list at Florida candidates. Um, again, I'm not saying that's happening. However, it, it would be, you know, people have asked me who would be on the list. Well, if Dan Mullen decides tomorrow, he doesn't want to do it anymore. I would think Mel Tucker would be on the list just because of how well he's done and how well he can recruit and, and uh, his SEC ties and everything. So yeah, he's had a fantastic year right now. National coach of the year with a team that, you know, here we are in the first week of November. Michigan State is very much in the playoff conversation. They sure are, and 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 Mel, you know, he the guys he's brought in and the guys in his program are a lot like him. They don't blink. They will keep fighting you and keep fighting you uh, uh, until they win. And um, it was it was great to watch. It was a great entertaining game. It was great to watch Michigan State prevail there. Uh, okay, let's let's shift now to what was the big news uh, this week. Of course, the first uh, college football. National playoff polls are hey, out. Hey, Rick, I'm sorry. Before we do, uh, again, we're recording this on Wednesday. There's some 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 news here that I think I should we should react yes, to live. Absolutely, um, absolutely. Uh, two four seven is the one that I'm looking at. My my buddy Brendan Sinone there. Uh, Chubba Purdy, the FSU blue chip quarterback, has just entered the transfer portal. Oh boy, that's interesting. Um, mm. You know, he was a a blue chip guy, a big get for for Norvell in his first recruiting class. Because if you remember. Um, Willie Taggart did not sign a high school recruit or high school quarterback recruit, excuse me, in his two classes at FSU. So quarterback was a huge position of need for the Nor- for the Knowles uh, when Norvell got there. And for uh, Purdy was a big get. Again, four-star guy out of Arizona. Um, you know, and, and he's shown a lot of, you know, he's shown potential. Um, the FSU coaches obviously liked him, but uh, he's been banged up. So we never really got a full glimpse of what it can be. Um that's 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 not a good thing for FSU. Um, 
you know, they're, mm-hmm. I think they're going to be fine at the position long-term. Uh, Jordan Travis has, has been very capable this year. Uh, they've got a, a blue chip recruit from IMG committed for the 22 class, uh, AJ Duffy, but still you never want to lose good quarterbacks. You can never have enough of them. And uh, that's, so that's a notable, a notable uh, blow here as we, as we record. And I just think that, you know, with all these guys, Matt, and you know this, um, it's it, it's not a shock a, a player goes to a, a team, wherever that is. If they don't play right away, these quarterbacks are looking to go to the next school. They're looking to go to the next place they think they can start. And that seems to be the way of, of college football these days. If you're not starting, you're departing. That's just the <laughs> that's, way it is. And right. I completely get it. And if Purdy's as talented as the recruit Knicks – thought he was coming out of high school he'll have a chance to start somewhere else it's just uh you know for fsu you can never have too much depth there and that uh and and norvell's first class hasn't looked fantastic um you know i I think as we as we take a long-term bigger look at college football this isn't going to work this way but maybe it should where we talk about giving coaches more time um yeah. as they take over programs and what I mean by that here is if coaches first recruiting class is so hard it, it was hard in the old era um, when you had you know your let's say you start December 1st you got two months before um, before signing day to get your guys now you have like two and a half weeks and you're gonna miss on guys you're not gonna have a full grasp of the roster um, you're gonna miss on evaluations you're gonna think well this guy was committed to me at my last job Maybe he can play for me here, and the talent level's not there, and, and all that stuff. It just makes it a lot harder. And you know, I, I don't have the nor- numbers in front of me, but Norvell's clearly uh, his his transition class has has had attrition, like every transition class, and that just makes it that much harder to build quickly. So I think, in some ways, that makes what Mel Tucker d- has done at Michigan, uh, Michigan State, um, more impressive. Um, but I think maybe at some point, college football needs to look at this and say. Does that mean we need to give guys more time? But it's not going to work that way because it never does. Yeah, that's a good point. They always look at the bottom line. Um, let me uh, let me dive into this real quickly as we wrap up here. The uh, college uh, football uh, national championship first poll is out, and not a surprise as you have ranked them. Preseason Georgia is number one, Alabama two. We just talked about Michigan State. Mel Tucker is three. Oregon is four. Ohio State. Five. I could go on, but I'm going to stop now at Cincinnati at six. Um, I think in in many ways that they, I mean, I don't know, you know, you can we can discuss who they would supplant in that top five, um, but the talk about them not having, you know, enough or big enough wins, we know they went to Notre Dame and beat the Irish. I would say, and I think Michigan alum uh, here, uh, Steve Versick, a Michigan fan, would say as well, uh, that, you know, who did the Buckeyes beat other than a, a, a wounded Penn State team? Is Cincinnati getting the shaft? Is the AAC really not being considered again because, you know, they talk about, well, you don't you don't beat enough ranked opponents, but then they don't rank their opponents uh, very highly. So, you know, their commissioner said it's a self-fulfilling prophecy here. I, I get what Mike Oresco, the AAC commissioner, is saying. He's not entirely wrong. Um, you know, on my ballot, I've got Houston ranked. Um, I've got him 24th. I do not have SMU ranked, um, also in the AAC, but I, I understand it. Um, you know, to me, SMU and Houston are both in that 22 to 35 range. 
where there's a lot of usually a lot of teams that not a lot of separation. So I think this, you think that, okay, yeah, I understand. Um, and it definitely does hurt, but I, I don't quite. I don't know on Cincinnati. I, I mean, look, I think they're too low. I've got them second on my AP ballot. Um, I could justify maybe a little bit lower, but to me, they're one of the four best teams in the country. I, I feel strongly on that. I feel very, very, very strongly that if they end up undefeated, that they should go to the playoff. Um, but you, again, the, the, the committee takes a lot of look at the schedule. And Yes, they do have that Notre Dame win, and that is better than anything Ohio State has. You could argue it's the second best win in the country this year behind Oregon uh, beating Ohio State at the horseshoe. Yeah. But where they're weighed down is the rest of the conference. Um, you know, where, uh, where Temple is awful, and UCF's not very good, and Temple or and Navy's not very good, and Tulane's not very good. That's the difference between somebody in the SEC and somebody in the Big Ten and even to the Big 12 to some degree versus versus Houston or versus uh, Cincinnati, excuse me. You know, that's that's been the issue it, where it's the the top, I think, in a lot of ways are comparable. Um, it's just that the bottom weighs you down. We talked about that at some point with, with conference expansion. Like, is the new Big 12 going to be that much better than the old AAC? Well, yeah, because you don't have Temple and, and Tulane and and uh, Tulsa weighing you down. Um, you know, Kansas State is going to be better than those guys most of the time, and, and, and West Virginia is, and, and what have you. So that's the problem with Cincinnati. Um, I don't like it because they can't control that. It's not their fault that, that Tulane stinks. Um, I think, honestly, that Tulane might end up being a, a selling point for, for Cincinnati because they played Tulane better than Oklahoma did. And if we get in a situation where that's going to decide four and five. Maybe the, the committee should look at the fact that Cincinnati handled Tulane much better than the Sooners did in that one common opponent. So it's, it's unfortunate. I don't like it. Um, maybe there's still a path for Cincinnati. You know, you look at if Houston wins out, then um, Cincinnati would end up playing them in the AAC championship game. So by that point, they're a top 25 team, 20 team Houston would be. So that's nice. Um, Cincinnati still has to play SMU. And maybe if SMU gets another winner, I don't remember when they play. Um, it, November 20th is when they play. So if SMU wins a couple more games, and by the time they play there, sitting at 9-1, and one, maybe SMU's a, a top 25 win as well. So there's still chances where they can get some quality wins. I don't know if it's going to be enough, but, you know, I, I hate the answer is we'll see. But we'll see. W- really wake me up when on, on the, the, the Sunday after conference championship game. Yeah, I just don't see a non-Power 5 team getting in this playoffs. I, I, I just don't think it's going to happen. And that's why I think they need to continue to talk about expanding it as they have um, because I think it's going to be good for college football. Look, ultimately, maybe they get flattened by the Alabamas and the Georgias if they were to get in the Final Four. Um, but by the same token, I and this is not a great analogy, but I just keep coming back to this, Matt. There was a time when Gonzaga was not a destination school for college basketball. And then they opened up the the college basketball tournament and expanded that and then all of a sudden um you didn't have to go to UCLA or you didn't have to go um you know to Indiana or Kentucky you know to to be uh an elite program and a destination program so um I'd I'd like to see that happen for college football we're going to have this discussion over and over again until somebody uh from a non-power five school breaks through 
uh, and gets there, but I don't think it's going to happen before expansion. That's that's my two cents worth. I think you're, I think you're probably right. Unfortunately, you know the 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 thought on a, a group of five team breaking through was it would always it have to be a perfect storm where you know they'd play a couple power five teams and it just you'd have to have to get them when those power five teams are good. Um, it was it was actually uh, Houston a couple of years ago where they played um, Louisville and Oklahoma, I think it was. And, and Louisville was was, uh, was quite strong with Lamar, and Oklahoma was good. Um, so, so you need that luck where the guys you're getting are very good and helps that the rest of your conference w- would be better. And then also you need the chaos everywhere else where you know it's not like you've got a one-loss Michigan State and a one-loss Georgia and a one-loss Alabama and a one-loss Ohio State, you know, whatever it is, where yeah. you need some help from other people. Um, again, maybe you can still happen. Like I've got Oregon fourth. Uh, I think the committee does as well. Yes. Oregon's not a superpower. They could lose. They could definitely lose yeah. once or twice and knock them out. Um, mm-hmm. Michigan state could lose a couple times. Um, yeah. Oklahoma has not looked great. So like there's a, there's a path forward where you can see it still. It's just hard. And, you know, in terms of expansion, I think ultimately that's where this is going. Um, Wednesday and I believe Thursday as well. The uh, the commissioners and president, some of the college football playoff people, we'll ignore the formalities. Some of the people who figure this stuff out are going to be talking and trying to figure this out about whether they will expand and what it looks like. Um, I think eventually it will. I don't know when. I don't know what the 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 logistics of that are. But I'll say one more thing. Uh, Michael Kelly, USF's AD put on Twitter after the game or after the, uh, the rankings came out Tuesday night, he noticed the, you know, the, the four lines and the, the playoff logo, uh, like the laces of the football. Uh, it, it's time to change, you know, move that from four to 12. Hmm. That's interesting because I mean, obviously Michael Kelly's job is to advocate for USF and uh, by extension, the AAC. And of course it would be good for the bulls if they expanded. Um, but let's not forget that he was a, I think the COO or an administrator of some sort with the college football playoff for a while. Yes, he so was. we've got somebody who was on the inside publicly lobbying again for expansion. I, I think there's enough movement to make it, to make something happen. And for all we know, Cincinnati will be one of the final turning points where if they do get left out, just like UCF did and, and just like Boise did under the old system and, and, and uh, Dan Mullen, Urban Meyer, Alex Smith, Utah under the old system. Maybe Cincinnati will be the straw that breaks the camel's back and says, all right, we can't do this anymore. Uh, either that or more likely they find a way to make a lot more money by expanding it, and that's usually what it takes uh, in order for people to, uh, to, to change minds and hearts as they did with the college football playoff system. He's Matt Baker of the Tampa Bay Times. You read him all the time on TampaBay.com, covering college football like no one else, and he joins us each week during the season. Matt, thanks so much. Have a good weekend. Sure. Thank you. Tampa Bay Lightning are back in action. They go north this time to Toronto. It's been a while since they've been in Canada, of course, with COVID last year. So they'll play the Leafs up there. And then we're going to have a special treat for us tomorrow. We haven't talked to him since the end of the race season. Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times will join us to discuss not just the postseason and the race, but also uh, what their plans on going forward. Uh, you know, do they need to make some adjustments to? Um, you know, how they play with respect to the
the playoffs versus the regular seasons. What are the reasons for some of their collapses uh, that they have had? So interesting conversation. Looking forward to that with Mark on tomorrow's podcast. Thanks for joining us. For Steve Burstick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.